Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Rebrandback US. Uh, tonight, we are going to continue on with the AWS series. We have Chris Williams, our own Chris Williams from Rebrandback Crew, <laughs> <laughs> who's going to give us Domain 1.0 Part 4, designing highly available, cost-efficient, fault-tolerant, fault scalable systems. Uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and change presenter. Uh, housekeeping rules. Uh, Damien wanted us to talk about VM, VM Underground. That's indeed very important. Um, if anybody's going to VM World and so far at this point doesn't have a VM Underground ticket, shame on you. That's where we, everybody's going to be. <laughs> That's where the party's at. That's where the party is at. And also the be brisket lunch. So mm -hmm. hurry up. We'll go ahead and tweet that out with the be brisket hashtag. We'll tweet out the link right now. Yeah, there, there's still tickets left. If you go to vmunderground.com, you can you can get in on that, and you can also get in on the opening acts tickets, which are also on vmunderground.com. And uh, the opening acts tickets are free. Uh, the the VM Underground tickets are not, uh, but they are both available from there. And uh, and that D Damien has been harping on us to mention that. So you're welcome, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try and make you presenter now. All right, show my screen. Awesome, I can see it. Do you see my screen? Awesome, okay. <clears throat> so welcome everybody. Um, as Ariel said, this is this is uh, part four, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get this thing kicked off. We've we've got a lot of we've got a lot of stuff to cover, um, but depending upon how much uh, how many questions we get back and everything, um, we'll we'll see we'll see how long it takes. Um, Real quick, who am I? Chris Williams, Enterprise Consultant for Green Pages. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm also Mistwire. Uh, I'm a double VCAP. I've got VCPs four through six. I'm an MCSC. I'm an AWS SA, which is why I'm talking tonight. I'm a V expert. I'm a VTUG leader, and I'm a V Brownback host and presenter. Clearly, I was not uh, loved as a child. This was all in an effort to get everybody to pay attention to me. So here I am. Uh, <laughs> Why should we get an AWS certification? So uh, this was pulled from Forbes uh, recently, and uh, I the the, nu the numbers um, I have I have an issue with with the numbers. I th I think that they do accurately reflect a a certain level of expertise, um, but I, I disagree with with the thinking that this. Kind of table predicates by by saying that if you are like you know brand new to IT and you go out and you get your AWS SA associate, I I'm, I am doubtful that you will be able to get that kind of salary. If you can, good on you. Um, I I think that um, the being of the being of a solutions architect is wraps up in a in a much much larger package than just getting one certification. Um, you've got to be able to talk to people. You've got to be able to uh, do um, use cases with your customers. You've got to uh, gather your requirements, risks, assumptions, and constraints. So while while this is a, this is a really cool graph, um, it's it's not the entire story. But that being said, AWS SA is at the top of it, and um, I just passed the exam in April, so that's that's why we're uh, we're doing this. And and we've we've gotten a lot of good feedback from this. So 
there's there's a lot of really really good study material out there. <clears throat> some of it comes directly from Amazon. Uh, some of it comes from content that that we at V Brownback have generated. Uh, some of it comes uh, from um, a, a gentleman named Ryan Cronenberg over at A Cloud Guru. So the exam blueprint from Amazon obviously is the, is what you want to first take a look at. It's two pages long. It covers um, the, the sections that you're going to need to know, and more importantly, how the different sections are weighted. Um, there are specific sections that take up 20%, uh, excuse me, 60% of the weighting uh, of, of the exam, and, and the rest of it is divvied up into the other ones. That's why we're spending a lot of time in domain one, because that is the 60% right there. Um, when you go into the exam blueprint, uh, you'll see the associate exam white papers that, are, that um, you should read for this. You have to read them. Uh, th this video series that we're doing is good, but you have to read and understand these white papers. You don't have to memorize them, but you need to understand the, the overarching uh, theme of, of how, when, when you're asked a scenario question in the exam, you need to understand, okay, this is, this is the thing that this customer is trying to get to, this is the theory behind where they're going for it, and that's going to be, and lead you to the right answer. Um, in terms of the VPC, uh, Sarah Zelhusky gave a phenomenal um, VPC primer, uh, and it's on the V Brown backside. Oh, by the way, um, everybody that's watching right now, I posted my slide deck to my website. So if you go to mistwire.com right now, the main page actually has the very first link as a download to the slide deck. So if anybody wants to follow along, you're more than welcome. Um, <coughs> Sarah gave, gave a fantastic um, uh, primer on VPC. Uh, the IAM from Tim Patterson, the gentleman who gave the the, uh, the V Brown bag last week, and who killer raised the bar for everybody else. Uh, sorry for having me this week, but whatever. Uh, he he gave one on IAM as well a long time ago. So I encourage you to take a look at both of these as well while you're studying. Um, as I was going through it, I also created a a very large um, laundry list of notes, which I'm actually going to be using as I'm talking here, of of the entire um, study series. So that's another great source. Um, Alex uh, Galbraith also created one, and, which is fantastic. But to be perfectly honest, the two things that I used before I create all this stuff, um, I, listen, I listened to, I was actually the one that hosted this one, but the Exam Blueprint and A Cloud Guru were the two main sources that I used. I cannot uh, underscore better how, how fantastic the A-Cloud Guru training videos are. He does a really amazing job. So what we're going to talk about this evening is hybrid IT architectures. And in that space, we're going to cover Direct Connect, Storage Gateway, Directory Services, and we're going to wrap it up with a VPC um, live demo, uh, and we'll see how that goes. So uh, first off, we've got Direct Connect, and this is these are these are the symbols. I uh, brought the symbols in, so you, you don't need to know what the symbols are for the uh, for the test, but they're, uh, they're I think they're kind of neat. So um, straight from the Amazon website, Direct Connect AWS Direct Connect makes it easy to establish a dedicated network connection from your premises to AWS. Using AWS Direct Connect, you can establish private connectivity between AWS and your data center. Um, actually, I should have. I should have. So everything that I've put in red here are things things that I remember as as being relevant to the test. Um, private connectivity should also be red between your AWS data center and your data center. Office or colo environment, which in many cases can reduce your network costs, increase bandwidth throughput, and provide more consistent network experiences than an internet-based connection. 
So a typical scenario question around this would be, you know, a customer wants to um, have, have a, a more reliable than internet connection, reduce their cost, or, or they want to have a, a, a much fatter pipe to their VPC. Um, when, when a question pops up like that, you want to start thinking direct connect. Um, one of the caveats um, from, from an examination perspective, if the, if the scenario says that they need it immediately, then that will knock Direct Connect out of, the, out of contention because this is slower to provision than a VPN because it is an actual physical connection from your uh, customer's headquarters or from your site to an AWS Connect location and then from the AWS Connect, Connect location up to the availability zone. Um, it bypasses the ISP in your network path, so it does not traverse the internet. Um, what happens is, is you will procure rack space within a facility housing the, the AWS direct connection. Um, and all of these hyperlinks that I have are, so this one right here is the link to the actual listing of all of the uh, direct connect locations. And then deploy your equipment in there. Once you've deployed your equipment there, an AWS person will then establish a cross connect from your your uh, equipment over to the AWS stuff. And I've got a graph after this to kind of spell that out. Um, uses a cross-connect, talks over 802.1Q um, to access both S3, both the public and the private AWS resources. Um, in terms of availability, uh, it's 10 gigs, 1 gig, and you can get one sub-1 gig groups through AWS Direct Connect Partners. All of this is testable material. So how is it done? So if, if you are fortunate enough to actually have your, your uh, equipment already in a colo that, ha that is also a Direct Connect facility, then, then you're golden. All you have to do is, is, is pay the fee, AWS sets you up, they, they do this piece right here, and then they have dark fiber running from the Direct Connect facilities out to the, the super secret availability zone locations, which, which nobody knows the, uh, the locations of, wink, wink. Um, if you if you're on if you're local, then you would establish a direct a directly dedicated provision circuit over to the Direct Connect facility. This is the part that you, as the customer, would take care of. This part is the part that the the AWS um, provider would take care of for you. Um, okay. So, any questions about Direct Connect? No. So Good. far, there was, there was only one question, and they confirmed to me, sorry, it was a mistake. So, so far, no questions. Oh, okay. actually, I do see uh, Graham put in there. Hey, Graham. You still need to connect your kit in the rack. Do you still need to go over the internet? Oh, private wire out to site. He's talking connectivity. Yeah, yeah, this, this, is, this, is, a, this is a private wire to, from, from your HQ to your, to the Direct Connect facility, and uh, this this is all non-internet stuff. So so the the big thing about Direct Connect from from an examination perspective is there is no internet involved in this. Um, this this is uh, sold as a much more highly uh, uh, stable connection uh, because because it is not internet facing, and and this actually kind of ties in a little bit into into the storage gateway, which which we'll get into in a second. Um, but yes, you're absolutely correct. It's all it's all provisioned, private, and non-internet facing. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. So uh, the next topic is going to be storage gateways. So um, storage gateways is 
I, I ran I ran into quite a few questions about these. So um, I, I'm not sure if if that's a popular exam topic in general, or or if I just got you know luck of the draw. But um, Storage Gateway is a service connecting an on-premise software appliance, i.e., a VM that you run inside of your inside of your data center with cloud-based storage to provide a seamless and secure integration between your organization's on-premises IT environment and AWS's storage infrastructure. Service allows you to securely store data in the AWS cloud for scalable and cost-effective storage. Notice the red letters. Uh, the AWS Storage Gateway supports industry standard storage protocols that work with your existing applications. Again, red letters. It provides low latency performance by maintaining frequently accessed data on-prem while, while securely storing all of your data encrypted in the S3 or Amazon Glacier. And we're going to get into the, the differences between um, some of them. Hold on one second. I have to say, I love the highlighting of red letters. Well, so as as I was as I was taking my exam, uh, they they you know I, I ran into certain things that that you know triggered, and I'm not I'm not obviously I'm not giving you any questions or anything like that. This isn't a brain dump, but you know they're, they're, these are these are the important themes that I want a person that is going to go into the exam to to understand that that they as as being pertinent. So. Uh, like I said, this is a popular exam topic. Uh, what you've got is you've got a local VM that's either VMware or Hyper-V, and it provides a seamless and secure connection between your environment and the AWS storage infrastructure. It's async replication. Uh, async should be in red, actually. Uh, this is an async replication process, and it backs up to S3, it backs up to S3 as an EBS snapshot. And the data is stored within a single region, and that is user specified. Um, and if I'm, if I'm, I'm not 100% positive about this, but I think that that the uh, it's it's a single region, but it is replicated out to uh, up to a potential of three different availability zones, if you have three availability zones in the environment. But don't quote me on that because I'm not sure. But that's not on the test, so that's that's not something that's going to be important. Um, and like I said before, it's either a VMware or Hyper-V uh, appliance. It'll, it, the appliance will run on VMware or Hyper-V. So there are three types of storage gateways. Um, and th the, the three types are a very testable topic. Um, first, you've got your gateway stored volume, where, the, where your S3 cloud is uh, effectively your backup. So you have your entire data set on premises and you do an, as an async backup up to S3. Um, you can create storage volumes up to 16 terabytes and size and mount them as SCSI devices in your environment. Um, this is effectively used for offsite backups, or you can so you so you can do them as an offsite backup. You can recover them locally, or you can actually spin them up inside of as an EC2 instance in your VPC as well. Um, it's constantly replicating the changes uh, up to S3 in the form of Amazon EBS snapshots, like I said before. So. In the, in, in the gateway stored volume, you effectively have all of your data on site, and then you're, you're running a, a quick backup up to your, up to your uh, S3 bucket. With a gateway cached volume, you actually have, 
think of, think of the gateway cash volume essentially as as local caching with with your S3 bucket as your as effectively being your SAN array. So only the most frequently accessed data is stored on premises, uh, and your entire data set is stored up in S3. I I don't know what the percentage of split is or or the frequency of hit rates, but that is also not on the exam either. Um, using so. What you can do is you can also create storage volumes up to 32 terabytes and size and mount them as iSCSI devices similar to the gateway store volumes. Um, the, the drawback of this is if you lose internet access, you will lose access to your data. So, so that's, that's the, um, the, the big gotcha for that. Um, my, my thinking around this is you can actually couple this with Direct Connect because with Direct Connect, you're supposed to have these you know, stable, reliable, big fat pipe connection um, coupled with a gateway cache volume so that you effectively use your S3 bucket as your SAN with, with locally cache volumes. Um, from a, from a uh, examination perspective, um, one, one potential scenario, and, and this, this wasn't a question I had, but a, a potential scenario that, that would be is, the customer is, is spinning up a new environment. They don't have enough money to buy a SAN. So if, if price is at a premium, then that, then that would make you think of a gateway cash volume instead because you, you can effectively not have a SAN array and just have you know, large disks running your gateway cached uh, virtual appliance. Um, okay, and so then there's the gateway virtual tape library as well. So this is a, a virtual tape backup. So what it does is it exposes your, inter your iSCSI interface so that popular uh, applications such as NetBackup, BackupExec, Veeam, et cetera, can point directly to your virtual tape library and replace all of your physical tapes. So you effectively have a limitless collection of, of virtual tapes. Um, the virtual tape library is S3, and the virtual tape shelf um, goes to Amazon Glacier. And uh, in, the, in the previous... Um, uh, classes, we actually ha had the discussion about the differences between S3 and Glacier, uh, which you should also know for the exam. Um, Amazon Glacier being the one where it takes longer to pull data from Glacier than, than it takes to pull from S3. Um, you can have up to 10 virtual tape drives per gateway, and I, I think you can have multiple... Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head how many gateways you can have. I think you can have up to 10 gateways, but don't quote me on that. That's a Google question. Um, but again, that's not that's on the exam. Um, so the virtual tape library is if you want to get rid of your tape library in an in exam scenario, and you've you're like so for example your 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 tape library is going end of life, and you you want to you know use use um, something else, and you can go ah well I, I'd pick VTL. Uh, okay, so. Sorry, I, I kind of went through that a little bit too quickly. Are, is there, are there any questions about storage gateways? No, I honestly think that, first of all, it's very cool that there's a virtual tape library. Um, Graham did ask, you know, we hear this, is it really good performance comparable to a SAN? Because I know, for example, Glacier is supposed to be really, really slow. Um, well, the, the performance of the VTL... Um, is, is going to be, you know, terrible. So, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. But in, in terms in terms of running running stuff off the tape, your 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 performance is going to be uh, horrible anyway. Yeah. Um, perf the performance of the gateway cached volume, depending upon how good your hit rate is and how much has to go from from across the pipe, 
um, it's it's either you know locally cached great great um, performance or or um, you know across the internet type performance um, the performance of a gateway store so if performance is a primary concern of yours you would go with a gateway stored volume where you keep everything local on on you know a a, a true SAN if you have a performance type issue and you always need access to all of your data and you have a spotty internet connection or any mix of those three in a, in a scenario connection then that will either that, that will dictate to you what type of option you want to go to for for the different scenarios oh, yeah. um, basically you have you have your tiers and then you can choose what you do with your tiers exactly and and your tiers are going to be dedicated or predicated upon what your use case is oops all right sorry Cool. Okay. So uh, up next is directory services. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not get any uh, direct any directory services questions specifically. Um, I, I did get a couple of, of uh, drill down questions, which I'll I'll go into into some of the um, the specifics of those particular types. Um, but the directory services questions, I, I didn't I didn't see anything about. Um, them specifically. Uh, AWS Directory Service is a managed service offering. Uh, it provides directories that contain information about your organization, including users, groups, computers. It's, it's effectively AD. Um, you can have three different directory types, notice the red, uh, including AWS Directory Services for Microsoft AD, Enterprise Edition, also referred to as AD, Simple AD, and AD Connector. Uh, as a managed offering, AWS Directory Service is designed to reduce management tasks thereby allowing you to focus more of your time and resources on your business. There is no need to build out your own complex, highly available directory topology because each directory is deployed across multiple availability zones. You guys are watching all this red stuff too, right? Okay, good. Uh, and monitoring automatically detects and replaces domain controllers if failed. <clears throat> so what this, basically um, the, the stuff that I ran into was uh, a question uh, around federation and the, the effective use of ADFS and SAML. Um, I would encourage you guys to, so like I said, uh, the, the links are provided in the slide deck and the slide deck is on my website. This um, blog post is fantastic. Um, I encourage you to understand that the SAML, so first off, know the sequence. Know how the flow is initiated. Um, know the, the points of where the user um, initiates the connection, what it hits first, what it hits second, what it hits third, et cetera, et cetera. Know that the, the entire process is done with a SAML assertion tag. And um, yeah, yeah, basically that, that's it. Know, know that it's SAML and know what your, what your sequence is for Active Directory Federated, federated Services. Um, there was another question about how to use AD uh, using the AWS AD connector. Again, we have a fantastic link up here, and then we have the process. This this is all ripped directly from AWS's website. User opens a custom sign-in page, goes over the secure sign-in, talks to the AD connector. AD connector communicates with Active Directory. The t the, the key is is generated. Um, again, know th know the sequence of events know what happens during each sequence and make, make sure that you understand if, if uh, a question asks you, like um, if, if a question over here asks you, do you get the SAML assertion tag before, you, before the end user talks to Active Directory Federated Services, you would know that the answer is no and you'd be able to answer a scenario question that involves that. 
Um, so like I said, I didn't, I didn't get beat up too bad on directory services. So one thing that I did get beat up on a lot was VPCs. So, excuse me for one second. Uh, it's really cool that you're, you know, telling people, hey, listen, really focus on this kind of thing. <laughs> Pretty good. Sorry, I had, a, I had a frog in my throat. No worries. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. Um, so the Amazon VPC. This this is this was a uh, a big bit. This this was a, a big chunk of of the exam. Um, I would encourage anybody that's um, that's going for this to sign up for the the free Amazon account. Um, get in there, get your hands dirty with the VPCs. Learn how to create a VPC manually. Um, there, there are there are uh, fast ways in there, and I'm going to show them to you in a second, on on how you can quickly and easily spin up um, an environment just just with the click of a button. Um, know, know how to create them manually so that you know how all of the each how the individual pieces interact. Um, so a VPC is a logically isolated section of the AWS cloud where you can launch AWS resources in a virtual network that you define. You have complete control over your virtual networking environment, including the segmentation of IP addresses, creation of subnets, configuring route tables, and network gateways. Um, you can easily customize the network to configure your Amazon virtual private cloud. Um, you have multiple layers of security, including security groups and network access control lists to help you access the Amazon EC2 instances on each subnet. So security groups, network access control lists, um, go through all those pieces in the in the uh, the exam. Excuse me, in, in the white papers, and uh, and know how to how to um, uh, create those. So again, a couple of shameless plugs. Like I said before, um, Sarah nailed this one with the with the VPC intro. This is this is a a 45 minute long talk. It would definitely behoove you to watch this. This helped me out tremendously, and um, I, I can't speak highly, highly enough about it. Um, I actually have a walkthrough on how to do exactly what I just said, know how to build a custom VPC from memory. Um, it's right over here, and we're going to actually do that in a second. But if you want to watch the step-by-step, -step, um, there's, a, there's a link for it right there. If you need an AWS account to get started, I actually wrote an article about that too, how to get your free AWS account and spin up your first VM. And there's also a little, um, a little gotcha in it, not a gotcha, but you know, I've, I've also uh, written an article on how to create, create an alerting, a, a monitor so that you don't um, accidentally start charging yourself because you can. With, with the free AWS account, you can accidentally start getting charged for stuff. So set up a little alert for yourself so that you don't, um, at, at the end of the month, Get a get a bill from AWS that you're like, wait, what happened? That didn't happen to me because I actually set it up. So I, I was uh, that that's not from one from the trenches. Okay, so uh, I was I was playing with Bitmoji. If you if you. Uh, oh my God! I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> was I not on mute? <laughs> my uh, uh, yeah, I I just so Amy Manley. Um, uh, Nick, Nick Collier and Amy Manley um, just got me turned on to that. I was, I was, I was talking with Nick um, uh, after his, after his AWS exam—not um, his exam, but his, uh, his V Brown bag, uh -huh. and, and the topic of Bitmojis came up, and so that, that really happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm very embarrassed. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's do a live demo. 
of the creation of a VPC. And, and this, is, this is from scratch. So always use an MFA when you've set up your account. So I'm going to get my little authenticator out here. And we are in. Okay. So this is the, the interface, obviously. And what we're going to do is we are going to go into the VPC section. And where am I at right now? I'm in Tokyo. So up here you've got your regions. Um, I, I spend most of my time in US East because that's the fastest for me. Uh, the next fastest would be either London, wait, where's Ireland? There we go. Let's go to Ireland. And I'm, I'm just going there because it's completely clean and, and I know that just the, uh, the default stuff from Ireland is there. So, if we go into the VPC environment, you've got a couple of different options. You can either uh, start up a VPC and create a VPC manually, or you can use the wizard. Now, the wizard gets them up for you quickly and, and, and uh, accurately, and, and honestly, I use these more, um, but because I needed, to, I needed to learn the entire process so that in the event that something breaks, so I mean, you basically just correct, you got your single, pub, single pub, public, a public and a private, public and a private with a hardware VPN, yada, 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 yada. Um, that's all well and good. We're gonna, we're gonna do it the hard way. This is like when, you're, uh, when your math teacher taught you math, uh, using learning tables and memorizing everything and then, then handed you a calculator afterwards. We're gonna, we're gonna learn we're going to learn the hard way. So we're in the VPC section. We're going to spin up a new VPC called Mistwire VPC, cider block of 10.10.10 slash 16. And so tenancy is either default or dedicated. If, if, you, want to, if you want to have dedicated um, networking equipment, excuse me, uh, um, EC2, and, uh, I don't, actually, I don't know if it's actually here. Here we go. Dedicated instance. Dedicated hey, Chris, quick question. Yes. Yes. Um, why would you use such a big CIDR block for that? Um, normally, so that, that's a great question. Um, I do it because everything in my home lab is, is, a, is a giant 10 dot, um, and, and that's, that's what I use. Um, if, you, if you are spinning up something for a customer, depending upon whether or not you have... Um, a, a different IP range for a, a different section that you're going to be connecting from. Uh, you, you might want to choose something different just for, for ease of, of logical separation in your head. Um, I, just, I just use this because I'm crazy. Um, this, this, is my, this is my one VPC in Tokyo, and each VPC is their own VPC. So you can have the same 10 dot, as long as you're not peering or anything, you can have the same ones talking, to, talking uh, with, with the same uh, IP addresses on the back end. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Okay. So I've got my Mistwire VPC established, and now I'm going to... So once, once you've created it, you'll see that you automatically get a route table uh, created as well. Um, the Mistwire VPC route table is 
automatically created one or well a, a route table is automatically created once you create your VPC I I remember something about that being in the exam some something around route tables um, so uh, they're, they're automatically created when when you create a VPC so now we're gonna spin up a couple of subnets call this one 10 0 .0 slash 24 put this in mr VPC okay so these are all the VPCs that are in um, this particular uh, region and this is and these are all the availability zones that you can create your um, subnet in subnets are specific to availability zones um, that is also a a, the type of question that, that you might get asked. Um, you cannot have a subnet that spans AZs. Uh, we'll so if, you, if, we, if we map this to a physical thing, we basically have separate data centers all in the same region, and they're telling us, listen, the network is not shared between these separate data centers. Um, yeah, well, I mean, so the, the subnets themselves um, are in can be in different availability zones, but they're, they're in they're within the same region. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, make that one there. Ten dot dot one dot oh. And we'll make another one called ten dot dot two dot slash twenty four, and we'll put this one in a different AZ. And that's enough for now. Normally, I, I mean, we got, we've got three availability zones, um, but I'm, I'll, just, I'll just make two. So uh, you'll notice, um, for all of you networking guys out there, that we do not have 254 available IP addresses. Um, the reason for that is because um, Amazon takes uh, shaves three IP addresses out of the mix. Technically, they shave five IP addresses, but it, they take out um, 10.0.2.0 and 10.0.2.255, which are unusable anyway. But they also take out 10.0.2.1, 2.2, and 2.3, I think, which... Um, I know, I know that, so hold on, let me have, they take out IP addresses and they, they, they take out three usables. I, th I think it's one, two, and three. Um, I'm gonna have to double check that uh, in a second. But Hey Chris, mm, uh, yep. Graham, Graham has another question um, and, and said that he, he presumes that there's nothing stopping us from firing up a VPN appliance and bridging between availability zones. Is that uh, accurate? Um, yes, that is accurate. Actually, um, you, you can you can you can set up um, a actually that's that's one of the one of the um, the AMIs that you can put in the environment and and have them do that for you. So the answer is yes. Uh, so okay, so I've got I've got my two subnets set up, and I've got my route table set up. I've got my subnets going. So now that I've got my two subnets, each one in a different availability zone, the next thing that I need to do is create an internet gateway. 
So internet gateways are not created um, by default when you manually create one. What you want to do is internet gateway, create, and then you have to attach it to your um, VPC. Um, it, is not, it is not attached by default, and you can only have one internet gateway per VPC. Um, I specifically remember something about that being being one of one of the questions was um, you know can can you have multiple v it, it was it was something along the lines of how many EG, IGWs can you have um, the answer is exactly one so and DHCP option sets okay so the internet gateway is attached to the VPC and now we need to go into the route table and create a internet access route table. It's going to Mr. VPC. Is there anywhere, and maybe you're going to get to it if, if it does exist, Chris, but mm -hmm. is there anything that visually represents how all these VPCs and availability zones are interconnected with each other? No, <laughs> um, not not that I know of. Um, you know, I, I use Visios and, and I and I sketch them out on whiteboards. But in in terms of a, a graphical representation that Amazon provides, I, I don't know of one. Um, but that's that clearly doesn't mean anything. Uh, if if uh, if Tim were here, he might be able to answer that question. I don't I don't know of one. Um, okay, so we, you need to create a new route um, for your internet access in your environment. Um, so you, you click on your your internet access route. You go down to your routes here. Uh, routes. Click on. Wait, hold on one second. Routes. Edit. Add another route. So this is going to be my default route out, which is 10.0.0.0. And when you click on the target, it automatically pops up with the um, internet gateway that you have. And so you click that. That defaults out. So now you've created your route that's going to that's shove all of your traffic out of your internet gateway. So now you need to associate subnets to that. So I've, I've created. Um, my two subnets, my 10.0.1 and my 10.0.2. If I wanted the 10.0.1 to be my internet facing and my 10.0.2 to, to be my internal pub, uh, private, then I would edit this and I would add 10.0.1 to my subnet association for my internet access route out. Um, create the subnet association, hit save. And effectively, that's it. So now I should be able to go into an EC2 instance. Actually, I'm not going to go through the entire process because I, I have I don't have any uh, key pairs in this environment, um, and that that would I'd have to decrypt it and everything. So effectively, my my 10.0.1 now has internet access. You can spin up an EC2 instance in the 10.0.1 uh, range and get out to the internet right now. Um, yeah, 
that's that's um that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, so presumably, uh, everything you just did through the web browser. Yep. Um, knowing, you know, full disclosure, I know nothing about AWS, but from what I understand, that's okay. I don't either. You can do just about all that stuff via <laughs> API as well. Is that right? Yes, that is that is correct. There there are um, programmatic interfaces for spinning up and spinning down um, ev everything that we did um, automatically, um, but I do not know how to. I, I know that it can be done. I just don't know how it's done. And actually, I had a, a good question to, to what you were saying. What if I'm the network guy and have to do this over the inter over the web interface, but the persons that are going to deploy the servers are haven't signed on yet? Do I have any way to test or tell it, hey, give me some trace routes or some things, or do I really need to set up at least a small Linux VM? Uh, so th there there might be a way to test it from the gateway. Um, I, I, I don't know specifically, uh, but the, the way that I would do it is I would spin up, you know, a tiny little free AMI and and uh, just basically, you know, run a yum update and and uh, and hit it out there. Awesome. Okay. Well, with that, let's make sure that um, we get some questions from the audience. <laughs> Is everybody asleep? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I, I totally bored everybody. Larry Smith is actually giving us some great uh, links for Ansible modules to do uh, all of this uh, that we're doing through the web interface. So we'll tweet those out. Oh, and, nice. Thanks, Larry. Um, Graham is, actually, is asking us, so how do you provision real IP addresses to route into your VPC? So he's talking about, all right, this is all very nice, but how do we connect it to the real world? How do you provision real IP addresses to route into your VPC? Um, so, so I mean, this. So when when you when you create a um, an AMI, it's it's basically get, you you get um, an IP address that. That the that your you, you are provisioned IP addresses in the, in the real world, so in in terms of how would you set up a route to it, um, you you would do it the way that you would do any other route. I'm guessing that you would definitely not knowing your IP, you set your DNS and people will arrive. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I mean there's there there are there are, are far better people to answer networking questions than myself. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the important part of, about that question is that's not on the test. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> so here's a, here's I definitely want to know the answer to that. Um, that's <laughs> that is that is not going to be something that you're going to run into uh, in in the uh, examination. Okay, and you know one thing that we haven't talked about is okay, how do you set up your your edge, your firewall, your what you ever you want to do? So one question that we have is for the internet gateway, do you have to set up a NAT like? Some other solutions we shall not name, or does it do it automatically for you? Um, I do not know the answer to that question. I am I am I am the the least networking um, uh, network person that you're gonna that, that's gonna be on for these. I would highly encourage. Well, I would have I would have highly encouraged these questions of Tim Patterson last week, um, but um, I think I think Brian's coming up pretty soon, 
and he would definitely be an awesome person to hit up for a resource like that. I can I can definitely Google it after the fact, um, but it's uh, but that's not something that you're going to run into in the in the examination. Which is always good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, and Larry Larry I think is trying to help us. He says it should route everything for that network defined in the VPC to pool IP and the default gateway should be provided via the gateway. So assuming that you get DHCP, you get everything. It, it apparently is set up automatically. Yeah. Cool. DHCP. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate that. Yep, yep. That's, that's, what, that's what I love about this community. We, we have, we have uh, tons, of, tons of really good people in front of the mic and behind the mic um, to help out. That's awesome. Exactly. Cool. Adam, do you have any other questions? Not that I can think of. Uh, this is really cool, though. Uh, yes, really good to see the uh, the demo. I appreciate it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And Adam, if if you want if you want to have a chat about it afterwards, um, you know we we can we can uh, tip off and and uh, work on that stuff. It's it's really fun. I I love I love puttering around in in the environment. It's um, there's there's lots of there's lots of cool stuff that you can that you can do and get away with um, staying under the uh, staying under the free tier, and if you want to spend a little bit of money and start you know getting your your uh, DNS name cut over to it to Route 53 and everything, uh, it's it's uh, even cooler. All right, I think we are done. Neat. With All right, that, gentlemen. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I want to thank everybody for attending. And uh, if anybody has questions seeing the recording, you can always tweet out to hashtag WeBrownBag, and we'll try to get your, your questions answered. Go ahead and, and do your closing. Cool. Thanks, Ariel. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. All right, bye.